so thank you so much. I, I want to say that again. Thank you for being here and being a part of this series. Uh, I do have a couple of credits that I want to give as we begin this tonight. Uh, well, let me say thanks to Mike, my, my good friend Mike, uh, awesome guy. He's been taking care of all the audio and the recording process and all that and, and does a wonderful job, and I appreciate that. Also want to thank Pastor Jay, our senior pastor, and Pastor Mark, our, our associate pastor, both of them for opening this door and making it possible for uh, me to share this word with you. It's, it's just been a, such a privilege to be in here and do this here at Kingwood Church. It's awesome, and we love this church. Uh, we absolutely love this place, and it's such a privilege and a delight to get to share this with you, and I'm really pumped up tonight about the concluding session. And then also wanna, I want to give, uh, give props to my sweet little wife over here. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but she does a lot of research work for me sometimes. She's looking up things, looking up scripture references, and I'm constantly asking her, hey, sweetie, can you find such and such for me and email it to me or jot it down? You know, She's really good at that. A lot of our ministry uh, is, is built around research work that she does, and a lot of people don't know that. So, and she's awesome. She's uh, 35 years this year that, uh, that we've been partners in ministry, and uh, it's been awesome. It really has, and God knew what he was saying when he said it's not good for man to be alone. <laughs> I'd, be in, I would, I'd be in trouble if I were alone, so I really thank, thank the Lord for, for her help and her support and being my partner. And uh, last but definitely most important, I want to thank God for being so gracious and so patient with us over the years that it has taken him, and I'm not, I'm not saying we have totally arrived, but over the years that we've spent learning the very things that I'm ministering to you, these, these three sessions, how God has been so patient with us. He's been so gentle with us, and he's walked us through step by step, and, and, and we're at this place. Tonight I have some victory stories to share with you. Some of it's brand new, like right off the press. I mean, it just landed in my hand today, and I am like so pumped up and so excited. So, so uh, I just appreciate God so much for, for what he's done and given me the opportunity to share this with you. So let's begin by, by doing this like we have every session. Take your Bible, hold it up real high, and I want you to say this after me really loud, okay? Let's say it like we mean it. This is my Bible. This is God's Word. It's true. It's powerful. I believe it, and I receive it. Amen, amen. Father God, Father God, we thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house tonight to open this word and receive this revelation from you, God. Thank you so much for everyone that's here. Oh, Holy Spirit, we ask you now to bless the sowing of this seed and bless the, the planting of it and the harvest that is to come. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tonight, we're talking about, this, this, in this final session, we're tying it all together and we're talking about unlocking, unlocking God's blessings and provision in your life. All through this series, we're talking about dollars and cents. It's all about our finances and things uh, along that line. And so tonight, we're talking about unlocking that door that, that allows God to get involved and, and be a part of our, our financial life. And I, I tell you, I'm telling you right now, your financial life is not separated from your spiritual walk. In fact, I heard someone say one time, if you want a, 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 a quick checkup you know, uh, of a person's spirituality, look at their checkbook. 
See where they spend their money. There's a lot of truth to that. I'm not really going to run down that road tonight, but what we're going to do tonight is talk about uh, uh, helping us understand how that believing and, and staying in this Word, how believing and staying in the Word and how planning into the kingdom of God is the key to unlocking everything God wants to do in our lives. And I'm telling you what, this is powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. Let me very quickly recap the first two sessions. The first session, we talked about the fact that we're, we're only here for just a very short time. Uh, we didn't bring anything. We're not going to take anything with us when we go. Uh, they do not put luggage racks and trailer hitches on hearses. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but they don't do that. Because we came in empty-handed. We're going out empty-handed. Our, our, we're here for a short time. Uh, we're here for a purpose. God gives us resources, and uh, he wants us to, to be good stewards of them. But we don't ever, ever, and God, by the way, God doesn't mind if you've got a million bucks in the bank. Don't feel guilty about it. It's a blessing of God. But don't ever let that be your master. Because when you die, it's all going to stay behind. Only what we've sent on to, to, to in the work of the Lord and in the, planted into the kingdom, that's all that we're going to have when we get where we're going, right? Amen? So uh, that was in session one. Session two, we talked about how God wants to be our source. This, this world's financial system is absolutely wrecked. I'm telling you, if you follow like the Wall Street Journal and things like that, uh, you better get some, you either, you either better pray a whole lot or you're going to have to get some depression medicine because it, it, it's scary. It, it's not a pretty picture. Now, I know that over the last uh, a week or two, I've been hearing some news that, uh, oh, things are getting better, things are getting better. Ah, things are prettier, they're nicer, the flowers are blooming, the, churls are, the squirrels are chirping in the trees and all this, you know, and it's, ah, everything is so lovely. Baloney. When they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes. That's what the Bible tells us. We talked about that last week. So this week, we're going to roll this thing to a stop with this powerful word about how we as the children of God, we as believers in Christ, we are not bound by the rules of the world's finance. If we are, it's because we choose to be. But we don't have to be. We don't have to be bound by the laws and rules of this world's finances. Now, I, I'm going to go to a verse in John chapter 17. I'm going to use quite a few scriptures tonight like I always have. And I, once again, I want to say to you, jot these references down and word study them yourself. I, I, my calling is pastor teacher. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a, a, an investment counselor or anything like that. I don't even wear that hat. Uh, I would be lost if I tried to do that. Uh, but, but I'm giving you what God has to say about finances, okay? And that's where we're coming from. I want to use a verse in John chapter 17, verse 17. John 17, 17 says this, and I'll explain why I'm using this verse in just a moment. It says, and this is Jesus praying to the Father. He says, sanctify them. He's talking about believers. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Well, the term sanctify has multiple meanings, but the one we normally think about in a setting like this, sanctify means to set apart or separate from, but it also means to separate to something. So most of the time Christianity focuses on the separate from part. You know, well, we don't do this, and we don't do that, and we don't do this, and we don't do that, and, and everybody only knows us really if, for what we don't do or for what we protest against. But sanctify also means to set apart to something. Folks, let me tell you something. 
We are set apart to the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. It'd be a real good point to say amen. We are set apart to the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm telling you, this is exciting stuff. Oh, yes, we are set apart from the world and its, it's, it's corruption and its sin and all of that. But we are set apart to the kingdom of God. Jesus himself prayed that over us before he went back to heaven. He prayed that over every last believer that would ever walk the face of this earth. That was his earnest prayer to the Father. So, uh, like we have in the last uh, two sessions, we're going to do the same thing tonight. We're going to use three primary questions or, or stepping stones. And here's the first question. In light of all this going on in the financial world, literally all over the planet, and what's going on in our own personal finances and everything like that, we're going to ask this first question. In light of all that that you see on the news, what does God think about all of it? What does God think about all of this? Well, I'm just going to tell you this. Everything that God thinks is in total agreement with his word. Everything he thinks is in agreement with his word. Every single thing. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9, we read this from the Amplified. Isaiah 55, 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Everything God's thinking lines right straight up with this book right here. I'm telling you, God never crosses his own wires. It lines up. Let me, let me tell you what's going on in heaven right now. This morning, when, when, when you woke up and turned on the news or turned on the radio in your car or whatever, and you hear some, uh, some more financial news, and, and, you know, and it could make you feel good, it could make you feel bad, who knows? I mean, it's like you know, gambling almost. You just don't know what's going to happen. You know, the, the news is it's just all over the board. Well, let me tell you, God was not sitting at his kitchen table this morning with his cup of coffee reading the Wall Street Journal and getting all upset. Hello. He did not grab his red phone, punch a button, and tell Michael, the archangel, get them all in the boardroom. Within an hour, we've got to have an emergency meeting. <clears throat> That's not the way God's thinking. God's not thinking that way. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? <laughs> Did you ever think about that? Nothing ever occurs to God. He is omniscient. He's known it all from before it started till after it ends. Nothing has caught God by surprise. Let me tell you something, child of God. I've told you I'm going to get excited and get to preach it. Let me tell you this, dear child of God. Your financial situation, I don't care if you've got a million in the bank or if you've got a penny. Your financial situation is not beyond God's ability. He is not worried about it. He's not upset about it. He's not panicked about it. I mean, y'all probably all heard those stories about the great... Uh, depression, the, this market crash in the 30s and how people lost everything they had and they went and jumped out windows and killed themselves. I heard of a, a, a guy, a business owner, uh, two, three, four years ago now, right here in this community, that uh, he was in the building industry, building business, and, and it got real bad and he took his own life, took a, took a, just killed himself. You know, I mean, let me tell you something. God is not upset. God has not been losing sleep over what's going on in the financial mess of this world. He's okay. God's doing fine. Okay? God, God's not having any problems with it. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. And I'm going to read this from the Old English, the King James Version. It says, let this mind be in you. Did you catch that? Let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now let us just stop there for just a second. 
Jesus knew who he was. He had no issues whatsoever with knowing he was part of the Godhead. And yet, and yet, let's look at his mind, look at his mind. But in verse 7, he made himself of no reputation and took, him, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, Jesus had no identity crisis whatsoever, and yet we are commanded by the apostle to take on the mind of Christ who knew who he was, but the picture we see of Jesus in this verse, I don't know if you ever thought about this, this is a snapshot of someone who is completely committed to the plan of the Father. He's completely committed to the plan of the Father. He's not worried about how it's going to turn out. Now, his flesh, he had to subdue his flesh in the garden. He said, God, let this thing pass. I don't, you know, I'd really rather not do this. But whatever you want done, that's what I'm going to do. He put his natural body, his natural mind under the, the control of the will of the Father. Let me tell you something. In your finances, in your finances, you do not have to be ruled by the emotions and the fear and the strife and all of that stuff that's going on in the world. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who was facing the very worst thing that could ever happen and yet he put his trust in the plan of the Father. Would you just join me right now and say, I trust God. Would you say it out loud? I trust God. You have just made a declaration. You stand on that spiritual declaration and, and let the devil squirm. He don't like it when we do that. He'll have to just get over it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, also in the King James, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Well, I'm telling you what, God's people need to get renewed. You know, if, you, if you've ever gone out and cranked your car, tried to crank your car, and you turn the key and you get that click, 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 click sound, that ever happened to you? <laughs> happened to me not too many days ago. You know, we're just being real here. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't get what you expect, you know. It, it means your battery has to be renewed. So you, you, you get it started and you go on down to the parts house and, and they come out there and a couple hundred dollars later, it works again because you, know, you got to get it renewed. You know what I'm saying? Your battery is just not good anymore. So you got to get the old taken out and the new put in. Well, that's what this is saying. Get the old taken out. We are so accustomed to just believing, just swallowing what the world says about finance. Well, not this kid. I have rebelled. I am on a holy rebellion revolution here. I don't want that mess. Does that mean that I will never, ever, ever see any of the troubles that's coming on and going on in the world? Uh, no, that's not what that means. Uh, like I said a, a, a couple of sessions ago, just because we're children of God doesn't mean we may not see the storm clouds gathering and hear the thunder and feel some of the rain. You know, like if a tornado comes through a block from your house, you may see all kinds of crazy stuff going on. But I am not under the control of the world system. My mind is fixed on him. And I'm going to give you some things tonight that are going to blow your mind. You're going to see what a difference it makes when you change the way you set your mind, the way you focus your, your, your heart. 
uh, you change it from focused on the world to focused on what God's Word says. And I'm telling you, it changes everything. So let's, uh, let's just stop accepting the world's wisdom at face value. Just because a guy's wearing a $2,000 suit and talking to you from the telly does not mean that guy knows what he's talking about. Hello? He's probably just as scared as the next guy. He's just got a makeup artist that covers it up for him so you don't see it. Hmm? He's looking all prim and proper and pretty, and he don't know what in the world's going to happen next. You see, the devil don't even know what's going to happen next. Now, he's not a dummy. He, he's, been, he's been watching God work since way before our concept of time, since before this planet was even inhabited by humans. The devil's been watching God at work. So the devil can kind of pick up patterns, and he kind of tries to anticipate what God's going to do in your life and mine and in the, the whole world in general. And so he tries to, to subvert it and turn it and twist it. And, and he has taken verses, you know, the spiritual truths like, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't be foolish, be wise like the ant, you know, and store up for the time. Those are scriptural truths. And Satan is, has, has twisted those things and turned it into a tool of slavery and bondage on mankind. Yes, we should be wise. Yes, we should be thoughtful. Yes, we should be good stewards of what God has put in our hands. But we are not to worship what's in our wallet. We're not to worship that money because, well, like I said in the second session, it's all about source versus resource. God is the source. He has resources, but he is the source. That's just the way it's supposed to be. Hallelujah. We get our minds straightened out. Let's go to the second question. Stepping stone number two. What does God think? What does God say? That's the second question. What does God say? Well, that's pretty easy to figure out. We just got to get in the Word. Everything God says is right here. He speaks to your heart. The Holy Spirit gives you a little nudge. I like the way Pastor Suzanne said that years ago. I heard her say this. Suzanne Cox, she said, you just get that little scratching on the inside, and that's the Holy Spirit just letting you know something. And I've never heard it put quite like that, but it really sums it up well. It just describes it real well. Well, when the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart, you can go to the Word of God and check it, and it'll be right. If you've got an idea floating through your little brain, or your big brain, or whatever size your brain is, <laughs> and it's floating around in there, and you think you know, and you go to the Word, and it don't line up with the Word... You've been fed something you don't need to swallow. Hello. You don't want to go down that road. Because whatever God says, is, it's, it's, it's going to line up. It never contradicts itself. Let's look at this a little bit. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness, and Satan came to him. And, and this is interesting. I wish I had time to really elaborate on this a bit more. But Satan came to him and said, why don't you, uh, why don't you take, you know, if you're the son of God, why don't you do this? Why don't you make some bread? Uh, take those rocks right there and make bread. Uh, turn them into donuts, you know, or something like that. I mean, you know, you got the power. Come on, you're the son of God. You, if you're if you, who you say you are, let's get it on, you know. There's no, no need to sit out here in the desert hungry. And what did Jesus say? <laughs> he said in Matthew 4, 4, he said, man shall not live by bread alone or donuts or steak or coffee or anything else. When he, the term bread, you need to understand, that's addressing the whole spectrum of our most basic needs. Because without food, we're only going to last. Well, if you're in good health, you might last up to about three weeks or so without food. You won't last just a very short time without water. But, but if you have no food, 
uh, to eat, nothing nutrition-wise coming into your body, you're going to be getting weaker from day one, and there's going to come a point where your body shuts down because you've you run out of fuel, you run out of energy. So he's addressing the whole spectrum of all the things that, that are most basic to our survival. And then he turns around and he says, man shall not live by bread alone. But by what? Somebody shouted out, what? Every word that comes out of the mouth of God, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, let me ask you a question. Are you eating every day? How many of y'all eat at least once a day? Raise your hand. How many of y'all eat twice a day? <laughs> how many of y'all eat three times a day? How many of you eat four times a day? <laughs> Uh, you know, how many of y'all just eat all day? <laughs> you know, just kind of grazing, you know, just uh, every little bit, you having another snack. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm not knocking anything or anything like that. But, but get this. We have a habit of feeding our flesh. We have a habit of feeding our body because it needs nutrition, right? It needs nutrition. And so we know that, and we feed it. We feed it regularly. If we don't, our stomach starts growling. We get to feeling weak. We'll go somewhere and find something to eat. Well, how many times a week do you feed your soul? Hmm? Did I quit preaching and start meddling? How many times a week do you feed your soul? Do you only feed your spirit on Sunday mornings? That's the equivalent. That's the spiritual equivalent. If, you, if all you ever get out of the Word is what you get on Sunday mornings, you're getting an awesome meal while you're here. But that's the equivalent of eating one huge meal a week and then do it in the natural and then doing without the rest of the week. Now, in most, uh, most doctors would tell you that's a very, very, very dangerous diet plan. In fact, what's going to happen, you can eat all, you can just eat till you can't walk once a week, but you're still going to lose strength, you're going to lose weight, your hair's going to start falling out, you're going to lose the ability, your eyes won't work right, I mean your internal organs will not work right, you're going to have all kinds of health problems if all you do is eat on Sunday mornings. What do you think's happening to your spirit? Why do you think you're so susceptible to the fear that the, that the, the uh, uh, financial news channel is spewing out? Why do you think you're scared because they're, they're talking at your job about the possibility that there may be layoffs? Why are you freaking out about that? Well, let me tell you what. That's a good sign that you hadn't been feeding your spirit the Word of God. Now, I'm not trying to be ugly tonight. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. You need to be feeding your spirit man the Word of God. I have lived this. I've walked down this road. I know what I'm talking about. I have been there. I shared this in session one. I was a very, very, very strong-minded, self-sufficient. You know, I was raised to be the provider in my home, and I could handle it. And I told about how when I was just 20 years old, I was making, you know, high five figures maybe even early six figures, and I doing whatever I wanted to do. Now, I was a Christian. I went to church. Every service I was there, I paid my tithes, and I thought I was doing the right thing. And I wasn't doing anything wrong with that, but I didn't have the whole picture. But I was so, so convinced that I could handle it. And then when things changed and things turned, and they didn't go the way I thought they were going to go, then I didn't know what to do. And I mean, I, I spent years, I literally spent years fighting depression, fighting all kinds of, of negative stuff. And then I told this a uh, little bit, I'll just recap it very slightly. I was in Portland, Oregon in a conference, and uh, Dr. Paul Cho 
from uh, the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea, was the minister that night, the closing service, and he ministered. And I'm telling you what, that gentleman laid the word down. And I couldn't even tell you the, the text he used that night because the Holy Spirit got a hold of me, and uh, Beverly and I had driven out there. It was kind of part vacation and, and part attend the conference. We'd driven from North Arkansas all the way to Portland, Oregon. That was fun. It really was. It, it, it was enjoyable. We really enjoyed it. Drove out there to this conference. We were there, and the uh, Holy Spirit got a hold of me. We went back to our hotel room. We were checking out to leave the next morning. I spent the entire night on my knees in, at a chair, almost the entire night, at a chair in the corner of a hotel room. The next morning, the daylight, the sun came up. I, I, I was so messed up, I couldn't even drive. Uh, Beverly had to take the wheel and drive because I couldn't even drive to start home. Uh, I mean, we're talking three days of driving, three, four days of driving to get back home to North Arkansas. And God, God was ripping, I mean, he was yanking on some stuff in me. And, and, and I would like to say that it was all over right there, but it wasn't. <laughs> it went on for a number of years after that until uh, right here in this very community that we're standing in tonight, that we're sitting in right now. Uh, and not so many years ago when uh, I got an unexpected phone call, we kind of retired, so to speak, from ministry uh, a little earlier perhaps than we should have. And uh, I took a secular job, and I'm, I get a phone call, and they bring me in, and they say, well, uh, we can't afford you anymore, so we're going to cut you loose. And here's a severance package, and go to the house. Nice knowing you. You know, anybody ever had that happen? Don't raise your hand, but you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of, it kind of, kind of rock your world, won't it? But it was different than it used to be. Uh, a year or two prior to that, I, I would have been absolutely in, I've been needing counsel. I mean, I would have been in a mess. But God had been working on us. He'd been dealing with us. He'd been growing us. He'd been so patiently bringing us forward. And when that happened, it was, I, I'm, I'm not making this up. I am not making this up. When the guy called me up to him and he said, I need to talk to you. I saw that folder in his hand. I didn't know what it was. I knew something was up. You know, the Holy Spirit will let you know what's coming. I knew something was up, and I thought I knew what it was. And he shuffled around, and he hemmed and hawed a little bit. And he said, well, I don't, man, I hate to say this. I, you know, I hate to say this, but, you know, with the company's downsizing and, you know, your position, I was paid pretty good, and we're, we're going to have to eliminate it. We, we can't keep you. And uh, I got a severance package. If you'll sign it, the agreement, you know, we'll cut you a check for X amount and blah, blah, blah. And, and before that little meeting was over, I was trying to comfort him. Now, that's a whole lot different. It would have been not too many years before that. And he was trying to apologize. I said, it's all cool, brother. It's, it's no problem. You know, it, it, as, the, as, as the, the folder came open and he began to lay it out, it, for the first about 15 seconds, I felt that thing rush at me. I felt that demon of fear and uncertainty rush at me. I'm not superhuman. I'm like everybody else in this room. I felt that thing rush at me and try to jump up on my back. If you could imagine having a big old nasty ugly monkey hanging on your shoulder, he smells bad, he's clawing you, he's trying to scratch your eyes out. And it, I mean, that's a word picture, but hey, you get the point. And, and about lasted about 15 seconds, and I heard the Holy Spirit. I, I tell you right now, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. He said, David, I got this. I got this. And boy, when I, oh, okay. <laughs> I just, I believed that and I received it and that monkey dropped dead. Fell right off my back. And the next thing I know, I'm trying to comfort the guy that just handed me the pink slip. Tell him, it's, don't feel bad, don't feel bad, it's all right. God knows what I'm doing, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. I go to the house, Beverly and I, well, I'm going to tell the rest of this story in a little bit. 
because there's a miracle up in there. I've got to tell you about it at the right time. But I'm telling you, God has never experienced a recession. God has never experienced a depression. God's never had any sort of shortage. God's never run out. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, I've quoted that every single session. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches. It's not according to what I can produce. It's not according to how much I can get done. It's not according to how smart I am. It's not according to what my resume looks like. It's according to his riches. Everybody say his riches. His riches are what controls this thing. Not me. Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. I've used this in the last session. It's awesome, beautiful passage of Scripture. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of thine heart. Did you hear what that said? Listen, you need to find out what God is saying about your situation. You need to find out about it. Psalm 68 this is a good one. I hadn't used this one before, but this is a good one. Psalm 68, verse 19. Blessed be the Lord, get this, who daily loads us with benefits. Woo! <laughs> and then it goes on. Even the God of our salvation. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation. Now, did you catch that? We usually just get run to the Bible and focus on salvation. Well, that's a good thing to focus on. That's the most important thing. But did you notice in the same verse, tied the God of our salvation into the God that loads us with his blessings? Did you catch that? And then the very last word in that verse is that famous word, silah, which means pause and calmly reflect on this. <laughs> that's what that means. Think about it. Get yourself in the word. Find out what God says. Find out what he thinks. Find out what he says. Plug into it. Let me tell you something. God enjoys blessing you. Did you know that? He gives God a kick. I, I, I like to, I got a very active imagination. I like to think something along this line that God is looking down and he said, Hey, 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 Gabriel, watch this, watch this. I, I'm fixing to bless him. This is going to be good. And he just pours his love and his blessings out on them. And, and you look down there and this believer's just shouting the victory and praising and, 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 and pouring that blessing on to other people. And God says, man, that's good. I like it. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to do it to that guy over there. I'm going to do it to that woman right there. Man, this is fun. We think we have been taught, it's somehow subconsciously embedded, that God's some kind of a mean old stingy man. That he's sitting up there with a stick. And if, boy, if you don't stand just exactly right, he's going to smack you on the head. Well, if we sin, there are consequences. But when we turn, look, he's our father. He's our father. Even if our earthly father had something to be desired and wasn't the best in the world, my heavenly father has got it going on. He's got it right. He's got it right. He's withholding no good thing. He didn't start out with us just to dump us on the side of the road and say, hey, 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 hey. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. I read this last week from the World English Bible. Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared of them, for Yahweh your God, he it is who goes with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. God's not going to bail out on you. God's not going to come to a point and he say, well, I've, I've done all I can for you. You're on your own. God's not going to do that. God's not going to do that. 
He didn't start out just to dump you on the side of the road and say, well, get there the best you can. That's not God. And now we come to the third question. And this is, this part is so vitally important. And I hope you pay close attention. Here's the third question. The first question was, what does God think? Second, what does God say? And the third question is about, not about God, but about you. What have you planted? You see, these are the keys to unlocking God's blessing in your life. Getting in agreement, learning what God thinks, getting in agreement with what God says, saying the same thing he says, and then planting, sowing seed. Let me break that down for you. To harvest corn, you've got to plant corn, right? Harvest beans, you've got to plant beans. Now, no smart farmer is going to go out there to a 500-acre field and take one handful of corn and just go like that and give it a sling across there and expect to go out there in a few months and run a combine all around and get hundreds and thousands of bushels of corn. It don't work that way. Our, our reaping is in proportion to our sowing, right? Yeah. To, to, to understand this and see this begin to work in your life, you've got to start planting. You've got to start planting. Now, everybody gets ready to sign off, put their earbuds in, and turn on some kind of something from their music player when you start talking about planting because they think, well, that preacher's just trying to get us to put our money in the plate. Well, if that's your attitude about it, I'm sorry, and, and you, may, you may miss some of, of what I'm trying to give you tonight, which is the truth of God's Word. I hope you don't feel that way. Or if you do, I hope you feel different when you leave tonight. I really, really do. I desire that for you with a heart of love because that's not what this is about. I'm going to illustrate it for me. I know y'all been eyeing this thing sitting here on this podium. I'll get to that in a minute. I'll get to that. It'll make it real clear when I do. To, to, to harvest a particular crop, you've got to plant that crop. So if I want to harvest God's blessings in my finances, then I've got to plant finances. If I want to harvest... In, in other areas, i got to plant in those areas. I, I've got to stand in the Word. I've got to find what the Word says. I've got to say what the Word says. I've got to trust it. I've got to have faith in it. So I, I'm challenging you tonight to start planting your faith through your Word and your actions. I'm challenging you to do that. Agree with what God's Word says. If God's Word says, now, is this book true? We said right, uh, just a little bit ago, this book is truth. And we believe it and we receive it. We made that declaration. Well, I'm going to challenge you right now. I'm going to charge you to accept what it says and stand on it. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches. Now, since it's not tied to my ability and my resources, when God starts supplying something, he don't, he don't shortcut on it. He dumps it on you. And, and, and we find that principle over and over in the Word. Start planning your faith in actions. Agree with what God's Word says and start speaking it out. I said this in the first session, and I'm going to elaborate on it just a little bit. That Philippians 4.19, I quote that out loud every time I open my checkbook. Now, uh, I'm human, and so here some time back, several months ago, uh, I noticed that you know we were, we were still paying the bills and everything, but the blessing didn't seem to quite be there, Reg. It just didn't quite seem to be flowing like it had been. And I thought, well, what in the world's going on? And I thought, well, am I not doing this? Am I not doing that? I'm not doing that? And one day I, I was asking myself this question, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what have you been saying? I said, what? He said, what have you been saying? I said, I said oh, yes, sir. <laughs> I get it. I had gotten complacent. 
And I had stopped quoting that verse that was put in my heart by the Holy Spirit as my keystone scripture, if you will, to quote over our finances. And I had stopped doing that because things were rocking along pretty good. The blessings were flowing and, and things were, you know, moving along pretty good. And so I just kind of got lazy, I guess. I mean, you know, everybody identified with getting a little lazy sometimes. I mean, that, that's, that's where I got. I'm just being honest with you. And, and I quit doing it. I kind of let it slide. And the Lord said, when's the last time you spoke my word over your finances? I said, uh, God, would you forgive me? And I'm starting right now. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not making this up. Within a week, things were changing. I went back to that. And now God is blessing. And I'm not forgetting to quote this. I'm not just rattling it off as a mantra. I'm not just saying it as a collection of words just so that I can, you know, do the right thing. I am making it a declaration. My God will supply according to his riches in glory. This is not about me. That's my keystone verse. You can use it if you want to. I don't have a patent on it. But you can find one of your own and do the same thing. Say what God says. Listen to this. God doesn't respond to your need. He responds to your faith. Did you get that? God doesn't respond to your need. He responds to your faith. And faith is expressed when I pick up the Word of God and say, Bless God, it says this. I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to quote it. I am healed. I will not die, but I will live and give glory to God. God supplies all my needs. My God is greater than no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Man, people will look at you like, what in the world is wrong with them? Don't worry about what they think. Just get full of the Spirit of God and start speaking the Word over your life. And you will be amazed at what happens. It's unbelievable what happens. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. I'm going to think on that a little bit, for a little bit. I heard another preacher say that. That's not original to David. I heard another preacher say that. Faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. Let me illustrate it like this. Let's just say that, that you were stranded on a desert island. You had no food. Well, how long do you think you could live on the memories of a good steak? Hmm? <laughs> you, you starved to death thinking about how good that steak tasted. Right? Just because you've read it once, just because you've memorized it does not mean it will spiritually nourish you. You need to break open the book or open up the iPad or get your Android out or however you do it. It doesn't matter. I've got 15 versions of the Bible on my little electronic device. It doesn't matter how you do it. You need to get in the Word. You need to get in the Word. I put this on my Twitter feed the other day. Getting in the Word early does not make me late. It prepares me for what's coming later. Hallelujah. It's true. I, I don't dare start my day without getting in the Word. I'm telling you, I can't afford to do that. Very rarely now do I get out the door without I've spent some time in the Word. Why? Because I've come to understand that if I don't get in the Word, I don't have anything to work with all day long. I'm running around out there without my armor on, and I don't have my weapons. And it's a bad world out there. I don't want to be out there unprepared for it. And so I just get into the Word. Sometimes it's a short time. Sometimes it's longer. But I'm going to get into the Word. Faith comes by hearing, not just because I've heard it before, but because I'm hearing it right now. The other day, I was having some health issues that were bothering me, and I got into the Word. I started quoting the Word out loud. I said, the Lord God is my strength. 
Jehovah Rapha is my healer. By his stripes, I am already healed. And my body is groaning and moaning and just complaining. And it's just telling me, why don't you roll over and take two aspirin and just forget about it? No. Jehovah Rapha says I'm healed. And if he said it, it must be true. And I'm not going to let my body tell me otherwise. Amen. And I say that over my finances. The world says I'm in a mess. No, I am not. My daddy is bigger than the world. My daddy's got it covered. Hallelujah. That's what I'm going to say. You get no nutrition just because you've heard it preached once or twice or because you've read it on a little, little, little scripture card sitting on your kitchen table. You need to get in this book. You need to get in it. And you need to begin to read it. Take a verse out of there. Let the Holy Spirit say, stop right there. I've had him tell me to stop before. And I'd sit there with the, with the car in park, so to speak, for a month on that one verse. If that's what it takes, do it. And begin to speak that out. Because here's what's happening. When you speak that word out over your situation, whether it's health, finances, relationships, it doesn't matter what it is. When you speak that out, you are planting that word. Let me, I, I'm just going to illustrate this right here. i got to do this right now. Beverly and I have been planting the word. We have been speaking out the promises of God over our grandchildren since before they were born. Now, one of our granddaughters, well, we had three of them with us last week. And I heard uh, the 12-year-old read a poem that had deep and very insightful scriptural uh, meaning. And then the 10-year-old was, uh, was uh, uh, just so attentive. We were in a discussion one night sitting on the couch, and she said, Grandma, let me have your Bible. And she looked up some verses and read it right there. I mean, in a 10-year-old, okay? Now, our kids, our kids and grandkids aren't special, but Beverly and I have been planting into them since before they were born. Uh, 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 one of our other granddaughters, we have six beautiful granddaughters and two grandsons, and uh, one of our other granddaughters, when she was two years old, when she was two, get this, two, uh, we went to visit them, and I, I had cut the back of my hand pretty bad, and, and it was not looking real good, and uh, she saw it, and she's a real bright little, <laughs> little thing, and she said, she calls me granddad, oh, granddad, you have a boo-boo. I'm going to pray for it. And, Lord, she laid hands on me and prayed for me. I am not making this up. The next morning, that wound looked like it was a week old. It was healing. And the scar, within a, a couple of weeks, the scar was virtually invisible. I'm not making that up. We have been planting that into her, into all of our grandkids, and then we call it out. We plant the seed, and then we pray over the harvest that we know is coming. Well, just yesterday, this hit my Facebook, and this blessed my heart. Her name is Kate. This is what I'm talking about. Her name is Kate. I know this is recorded, and one day she might hear it, but you know what, sweetie? You keep doing what you're doing. Kate, she says to her mom, our daughter, her mama posted this on our Facebook. Mama, granddad told me if I'm really quiet and listen, I can hear Jesus talking to me. Let's try it. And then it says, five minutes later, Kate sighed, and our daughter asked, what did he say? And Kate said, he said he will always love me and be with me all through the days. She's five years old. She's five years old. And this is just one illustration. We have planted, we have sowed the seed. We're calling that seed out. And God is honoring that. So what are you planting? Do you get up in the morning and say, this old piece of junk car transmission is probably going to blow up before I get to work this morning. Don't plant that garbage. 
Don't say that. Your words have power. Say, thank you, Jesus, I got this car. It may have a dent in the fender, but it's going to get me where I need to go. Bless God. And when it's time for you to have another one, don't worry about it. If it breaks down somewhere or won't crank in the morning, God's got it under control. Don't panic. Don't be saying all that negative stuff. Say the same thing that God says. Find yourself a keystone scripture and start speaking it out loud. Over your finances, over everything, just do it. Say the same thing God says. Don't give up and call it quits. You say, well, I tried that for about a, three days. Tried that for about a week, and it didn't work. I didn't see nothing happen, so I don't, I don't think there's anything to that. Well, go ask any farmer. You don't plant your seed. You don't put it in the ground and then say, go back out there a week later and say, well, I got to sitting over here with a tractor running, and I'm ready to harvest, and I don't see nothing, so that seed must have been no good. <laughs> That's stupid. We look at that farmer and say, that guy needs help. He, he's not right in the head. Well, we do that sometimes in the spiritual realm. So plant your seed. Keep planting it. Keep watering it with your faith and your prayers. God's going to bring you an increase. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, there's a real interesting passage, and I'm going to have to read this pretty quickly. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly, I'm reading from the Amplified, can you tell? <laughs> Got all them extra words in there will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. He who sows generously will also reap generously and with blessings. And I'm going to have to scoot on down a little bit uh, real quickly. Let me move down to about verse 10. And he who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Thus, get verse 11, thus you will be enriched in all things in every way so that you can be generous. <laughs> that's, the, that's the most fun part of it. I told you the other, uh, other night about uh, picking up a guy and putting him in a motel room so he wouldn't sleep under an overpass. I can't tell you how many times God has put on our heart to sow some seed. We sowed into uh, one of our kids, it went down, our youngest son went down a bad road, got in a dark place, and really, 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 God really had to help him out. And, uh, and we didn't know until after the fact. We knew, we knew what was going on, but we, I don't think we knew how bad it was until it was over. But God put on our heart to sow into a deliverance ministry. We did. God put in our heart to sow into ministries for the needy and the homeless and the incarcerated and all this kind of stuff. And we, we just obeyed. And we just obeyed. And come to find out some of those same ministries, some of those exact same ministries wound up ministering to our son and helping him walk back to God. We had no idea it was going to work out like that. We weren't buying God's favor. We were just being obedient. We were planting seed. We've sowed into the ministries of, uh, I can tell you why I know that our grandkids are going to be protected and blessed of God, partly because we've sowed seed in, and we know we've sowed seed. Beverly and I have actually paid the full purchase price for, I, don't, I forgot how many now, but for some uh, little girls in another country to be bought out of the, the sex trafficking trade and brought to a place where they can be taught about the love of God. And you, you give me an opportunity. Now that God has blessed us, it, he, we're not, you say, well, he's blessed you. He hadn't blessed me like that. No, he's just rearranged our priorities. That's the deal. I'm not sweating it anymore because I'm not writing checks on my bank account. I'm writing checks on his. And when he puts in my heart to do something, I'm going to plant some seed. 
And he's going to have to figure out what to do. I told him one time. I think I mentioned this a couple of nights ago. I told him one time, I said, God, I don't, know how, I don't know how we're going to cover all this stuff right here. You know, this looks kind of tight. You're going to have to get with it because if you don't, you're going to look bad. Because your word says you can. So if you don't get on it, it's going to look bad. You're the one that's going to look bad, God. Like Jesse Duplantis, I quoted him. He holds up the bills and says, God, you got mail. <laughs> I love that. I love doing that. I just love doing that. We've sowed into uh, rescuing people like that. We've sowed into all kinds of things. And God has poured blessings out on us. My goodness. Malachi chapter 3. This is a Bible principle. You want your finances blessed, you've got to do this. Don't even try to get around it. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great, you won't have room enough to take it in. He says, try it. He challenges us, put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. I'll guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes won't fall from the vine. And he goes, I mean, it's just, it's just awesome. Let me, let me give this illustration tonight, and, and I'm going to explain what this is. This is a quart jar with money in it. There's a, some dollar bills. There's some coins in there. There's a, a 20. There's some other stuff in there. And don't you try to steal this because one of my angels will bump you on the head. I'm going to tell you that right now because God gave me this, so don't try to steal it. I'm just messing with you. But God does not command us to tithe because he needs the money. You see, as long as I've got the lid screwed on to what's mine on the inside, it's going nowhere. God doesn't command me to take the lid off my jar because he needs the money. He needs me to be able to get it out and be obedient to him with it. But also, while I got the lid off, he can put something else in there. You ever thought about that? With your ties, you, you, you keep your hand over the jar. Not only can you not be obedient and be a blessing, but God can't put anything in there. You say, well, I don't know. I don't have the money to tithe. You don't have the money not to tithe. Let me just put it that way. You don't. God will bless your obedience. God, you, you can refuse to, to be obedient to God and you can beg and plead and, and, and do everything in the world to get him to bless your finances but God won't bless what's not, what cannot be blessed because he's already cursed it he said he said test me and see if I won't do this he will I promise you he will our generosity it, it makes a way for more of his heart to pour out to other people our obedience opens the door to his blessing I got to tell you this one last story and, and then we're going to be out of time, and we have to wrap this up. This is a true story. I started it a while ago. When I got that phone call, got the pink slip, got the folder with the, the uh, agreement in it, and it said, you know, they were going to write me a check. They were basically paying me to leave. Some of you have been through that before, no doubt. And uh, so I knew how much the severance package was going to be worth. And uh, so I went home. I took the figures home, and... We, we're trying to be wise about it. Beverly and I sat down. We got out the paper. We, we, we looked at what we had in savings. We, we did all this. We figured it all out. And we put lines in there, you know, on a regular basis for our giving to the church because that's what we'd always been doing and uh, paying our tithes and everything. And uh, so we lined our budget all out and to see how far we could go with it and said, God, you know, we're going to do the best we can to be faithful and uh, maybe this will get us through until I can find another job or find another source of income. Well, the day that the check arrived in the mail, this is a true story. The day the check arrived in the mail, I still didn't have a job. It's been a couple, three weeks had gone by. I went out the mailbox, pulled it out, and looked at it. I said, well, I know what that is. Tore it open, looked. Sure enough, that's it. And I see the amount. 
I turned to walk back toward the house, headed up the driveway, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, tithe it now. Don't wait till Sunday. Tithe it now. I said, okay, yes, sir. I run down to the bank, put it in the bank. It took, I think, two days for it to clear and show up in the account. I, as soon as I checked it and found it in the account, I wrote a check for the whole amount, one check. I said, God, this is messing up my little paper budget. You know, I'm going to have to move some of these lines around a little bit. God said, just do it. Just be obedient. I did it. I, I'll never forget this day. I drove up out here by the office end of the building. And guess who I saw standing out there? Pastor Ron Cox and Pastor Clark White, <laughs> senior pastor and the guy that handles the finances. Is that not something? And uh, I walked up to them, and they said, hey, buddy, what's going on? I just held out the check. Said, God told me to do this. Ron looked at me and said, what is that? I said, it's the full tithe on my severance pay. Well, he started crying. Then he started preaching. You could have heard him all the way down to the railroad track down there. I mean, he got wound up. Anybody that knows Ron Cox knows it doesn't take much to get him started preaching. And Clark was sitting there with tears in his eyes. I said, this is what God told me to do. So weeks went by. It went on and on and on. And uh, we pay our bills electronically, and some of them we write checks on. And uh, I usually handle all that stuff. Beverly would go and, and look in the checking account, and she wouldn't say anything. I was looking at it, and I wouldn't say anything to her, and she wouldn't say anything to me, but, but there was still money in there beyond the line on the paper when it should be gone, and I still hadn't found a job, any regular paying job. And so one day, it just got to be more than she could stand. She said, David, you're not paying all the bills. Something's wrong because there's still money in the account. I mean, that's what she said. I said, no, honey, I'm paying them. I, I've been watching this now for weeks. I can't explain it. The only way to explain it is I obeyed God, and God came through. During that same time frame, Beverly lost her income. Now we got two of us without jobs. We got on our knees, we poured our heart out to God, and we said, God, none of this matters. Only you. You're it. It's only you. Whatever you want for us, that's where we're going. It doesn't matter if the house is gone, the car is gone, everything else is gone, but the clothes we're wearing on our back, it's all about you. If you don't come through, we can't fix this anyway. That was our prayer, and I'm not exaggerating. That was our heartfelt prayer. In less than 12 months of obedience, in less than 12 months, the car was paid for. The credit cards were forever gone. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Free at last, free at last, as Brother Martin Luther said. Man, it felt good. And at the end of that financial year when we did our tax returns, I, we, we quit keeping up with the percentages on our tithes. We just, we just started. We got so excited about what God was doing. We got a chance. We would, we would just plant seed. We just plant seed. Man, give me some. Can we plant something? God, can we plant some on this? Come on, let's plant something. Oh, man, we, we were just going crazy. We were having fun and blessed. Man, it was a, it's, it's the best feeling there is. At the end of that year, and I'm not saying this to brag or, or blow myself up or anything like that, but at the end of that year, I went down to see the accountant, and do the taxes, and it turned out that we had given away. Now, we both lost our income, okay? We had given away almost 25% of what we had that year. We just quit keeping up with the 10% thing. We said, 10% is working good, let's do more. I'm telling you, you cannot outdo God. If you plant into his kingdom, he is going to bring a harvest. 
He's going to bring a harvest. I wish I had time to tell you some more stories. It, it's so unreal almost. The world don't understand it. That your, your financial advisor is going to tell you those lines don't add up because their calculator doesn't have a button that says G-O-D. When you put God in the middle of the equation, things, things go differently. I'm telling you, God is able. Let me wrap it up like this, the whole three sessions. Remember, from session one, we're here for a very short time. We're here to be a blessing. We're here to do His will. Remember that God wants to be your source. He is the source. He is all we need. Remember to walk and speak faith and plant that seed. If you want the harvest, plant the seed. Plant the seed. Everybody say it, please, with me. Plant the seed. Plant the seed. God is faithful. And he will take care of you no matter what. Don't let the news reports frighten you and take away your faith. Because your God, my God, has got his eye on you. If he's watching a sparrow hop around, he's got his eye on you. Close your eyes with me. I'm going to bless you and then we'll let you go. Father God, I bless this audience. In the name of Jesus, by the authority that you've given me to do this, Lord, I bless them. In the name of Jesus, you know, Lord, how many might be struggling in their finances tonight. Let this word grow. Let it grow. Let it take root and grow. Satan, I bind you from the finances of these people. I rebuke your lies, and I stand in your face, and I release the promises of God on these people. And I thank you, God, for being faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.